Guys, I just found some broken down cabins over there. It's gotta be the old camp. Who wants to go check it out? You do realize this camp was closed down like 20 years ago. Some woman, she went fucking nuts, killed all these counselors, blamed them for her son's drowning. He was like deformed or uh, retarded or something. <laughs> Mom got hers. Uh, apparently there was one survivor. This girl, she cut that lady's head off with a machete. Her son, Jason, he came back. Jason, my special, special boy. They must be punished, Jason, for what they did to you, for what they did to me. Kill for mother. Welcome to The Last Theater on the Left. My name is Chris. And my name is Joey. We've reached the final movie in the series, Joey. Well, yeah, much to my chagrin, yeah. the final movie. We, You know what? This should be a celebration of, Chris. What's what's that? It should be the celebration of a new Friday the 13th movie because it, be. it was on the schedule. It, I was, mm-hmm. it was on the real schedule for October 13th, 2017. And right. We're not getting one, so yeah. thanks, Paramount. Right. But I don't want to try to be all negative on the, <laughs> on the start. We have made it to the end, like you said. Yeah, this is the remake, and we may not be getting a sequel to this, the remake. We are covering the remake, the 2009 Friday the 13th, here on the Marathon of Friday the 13th podcast on The Last Theater on the Left, which you can find on cnjradio.com and on iTunes. Please leave us a like and a review and all that stuff. Subscribe. Subscribe, please. Yes. Thank you, Joey. And, yeah, you may not be getting the sequel on Friday the 13th, which is tomorrow, but you will be getting our ranking and wrap-up show. So this is not the final episode of this series. We have one more to go. Uh, you get a consolation prize right. for all you fans. Right. But tonight is all about the Friday the 13th remake. And just let's just start off right off the bat. I know that a lot of people have things to say about remakes and reboots even before they have seen it. If they've never seen it. And I'm talking about not just horror, but just any movie. People always have this negative reaction to the idea of a reboot especially of something as beloved and as storied as the friday the 13th franchise so let me ask you chris okay as a lifelong movie fan yes do you think that this particular franchise can be excused for having a quote-unquote reboot right because of the fact that it has basically not counting freddy versus jason 10 entries in the franchise and the fact that the storyline got so convoluted, yeah. do you think that a reboot was absolutely necessary? I think so, uh, because we Good had answer. <laughs> we did have the discussion while we were watching this movie and talking about the Halloween franchise and how it got super convoluted. And you know, we, I think I mentioned it actually on a previous episode of this series, talking about how the the, the timelines they just kind of erase something and start over and it wasn't like a hard reboot it was just kind of trying to pick things out of it that will continue from here but forget about this other stuff that doesn't work yeah but like you said friday the 13th honestly i think it went off the rails at a certain point and the jason movies after they law dropped the title even before that really it was heading in that direction sure but once they dropped the friday title it just they didn't necessarily feel like friday the 13th movies and it just went so far into the future and into another planet and it just it needed to (laughs) literally yeah if they had tried to take what had come prior even if they had jumped in from a certain point within the series and tried to make it from that i think it still would have been confusing and not as good as wipe the slate clean let's make a modern reinterpretation of what this jason character has become because really the jason character i think became more than what had been presented in the actual movies. It became legendary in people's minds, people that may not have necessarily seen all of the movies and may not be remembering those movies as they actually happened. Yeah. And so I think that this... Like, like, like we just have. Right. <laughs> because they're all very fresh on the brain right. now. So I think that this movie was obviously done by fans of the series yes. and... It shows, and it shows that they know the series inside and out, but they also have this 
love for the character they also have a love for horror so they took it it did like in the 80s and 90s slashers did start to get progressively goofier and goofier Mm -hmm. and especially these long-running franchises all kind of seem to do that at a certain point oh yeah and so this modern interpretation it still has the fun and it still has the elements that people associate with friday the 13th and jason but it's a horror movie and it's violent and it's dark and i like it yeah, I mean, great way to sum it up. I mean, we pretty much sum it up right off the bat. I yeah. like it. You know the story I'm going to tell right now, Chris, because yeah. you said that this movie was obviously made by fans. Yeah. Got it from the killer's mouth. Mm. Met Derek Mears at a Texas Frightmare yeah. weekend. Uh, God, it was, I want to say, about seven years ago. It was like two yeah, years out. Close after the yeah, yeah, it was. It was either release. it was either one or two years out of this movie, and. He was the only guy I really went to because I was actually, uh, this is a weird story. I mm-hmm. took my my hair, uh, the lady that cuts my hair, Right. I took her son to this. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, because he was a little younger and he couldn't drive. Yeah. And he's a big horror movie fan. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a rapper in Dallas now, by the oh, way. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Taylor. What's up, Taylor? You'll listen to this, hopefully. <laughs> Let me know. Okay. So, he really wanted to meet Danielle Harris. Oh, Halloween reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, I think right next to her table was Kane Hodder. Nice. So, I said, hey, what's up, Kane? <laughs> good, good, good job. You know, right. just th- those things that you say when you don't yeah when you can't give them money you right know? you don't want those to go awkward. up there because then you're obligated to give them 20 bucks <laughs> yeah those awkward things yeah but paid a few bucks for Derek. man Derek was in the other room mm-hmm. and i said hey hello shook his hand <laughs> and <laughs> shook my hand and first thing i said to him right off the bat uh, I said, and you know how I make people feel sometimes on the yeah, front and right. maybe a little nervous or something. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know, I normally hate remakes. Mm. And then he just gave me that nervous look. Right. And then I was like, but yours, I thought, was excellent. Probably maybe the best. And out right. of any, I said, I, I told him at the time, like, the Dawn of the Dead one was pretty good. Yeah. You guys took it and as a fan i really appreciate this entry yeah and i'm glad you guys did what you did with it and man you're the best jason i've ever seen i mean i really actually as an actor as the way he moves his interpretation yeah. the whole the whole thing whatever's in the script whatever sure. improv he might have sure. it works 100 percent across the board for me and he said and you know of course thank you very much sure. and he said you know everybody on that set writer director actors everybody across the board mm. are fans of this franchise and we wanted to make the best movie possible and i hope you believe that all of us wanted to do that yeah. the most and he didn't take all the credit yeah he was just like everybody there wanted this to be great right and uh, i always remember that so mm. you know on repeated watchings i'm loving it even more yeah but i gotta say even if i had never had that experience i would still enjoy this because when i first watched it and i regret not seeing it in the theater i did that thing that snob asses (laughs) you know stop doing that because (laughs) sometimes you're just not making it cool for yourself because i saw it at home and i loved it but i immediately regretted not seeing it in the theater did you see it in the theater chris i did i believe i did i think that's the only time i've seen it is because i don't own this one i think oh i think that was the last time i saw it may have been in the theater wow i don't remember seeing it you haven't seen this in eight years yeah something yeah wow i think so i think that's how it went down yeah i've watched it like five times now yeah yeah. but yeah i mean i'll own it pretty soon because i do i remember liking it and I think on this viewing again, I remembered why I liked it. And it's just it's just a solid movie. It's not it doesn't try to be more than it is, you know. It's a straight ahead it's a slasher movie, a modern slasher movie, where it's more about like the violence and stuff. But they do build some interesting characters here and there. Not all of them, but for the most part, I think they do. Yeah, they have to have some cliches and some semi yeah. to semi important garbage people. Because yeah. it's weird the garbage people kinda carry parts of the movie that have they have to be there yeah. so they're not 100 percent garbage people right. but the the other thing we were talking about this when we were watching the movie yeah. is if you can take cliches like the slasher yeah and and turn them kind of on their end a little bit much like in the way that a great movie like cabin in the woods does right so and the great evil dead remake one of the other yeah. only remakes that i endorse or reboot or whatever you want to call it yeah evil dead for sure i'll, I'll the, endorse a few but yeah that's another that's tops on my list yeah yeah that one definitely so it like the reason why not just 
why the main storyline of why they're out there because mm-hmm. they're kind of out there for the cliched reason yeah however the first batch of people are there sort of with a cliche but with a nice twist on it right. because some of the campers don't know why they're really out there yeah and i dig that right and then the the thing after all of that which <laughs> we'll wrap up don't yeah. worry i'm not just like not not spoiling it because we're right. gonna spoil it yeah but the brother of the missing sister, he's mm. got a reason to be out there. His sister's right. missing. And I love, of course, that's a callback to part four. Right. The but, Rob character from part four. Yeah. But it's not just people out there for stupid ass reasons. Yeah. And they did it on both sides of it. And I really dig that. That's yeah. extra good attention to detail, not just throwing some slop out there. <laughs> right. Some attention was paid to the script, and I really appreciate it. Definitely. That. And that was one of the things that I was going to say. Like, one of the reasons that I think I did like the characters, because this is a slasher, there are a lot of characters. There's two sets of characters, really. And, yeah. Because there's a really long opening sequence that sets up... It more sets up Jason and that whole mythology behind him. Yeah. And then it uh, brings in the next set of characters. But I think I liked them because I was noticing immediately while they were just like having their the banter at the campsite, the first group of kids, and I, I just I like the script. I think the banter isn't cheesy. It, it is a little it bit. It is, but it's real life. That's it's what like, I'm, yeah. That's I what could, I'm trying to say. I could see every sentence told in this yeah. movie actually happening in real yeah. life at a party you've been to or right. at some other bullshit you've been to that you kind of didn't want to be yeah. at because you kind of because i don't fit in so <laughs> things that i've heard all of these lines yeah. of dialogue spoken yeah. like and it's funny for the most part but yeah. it's not like stupid self-referential kind of that kind of comedy it's natural it feels organic it feels like real people in these situations because yeah. I, I i've known guys like chewy you yeah. know and trent unfortunately <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. I mean, and they do the... yeah it just takes a few lines from each of these characters and they set up themselves up really well like we're in as they did that in some of the previous movies i would i'll probably reference like Friday one through three a lot because it's this feels this movie feels kind of like a meshing of those three with elements of ones past it. Yeah, big elements of four too. Yeah, I mean, well, they, obviously they yeah. had the Tommy kind of storyline, but they right. had the B plot right. inserted into it too. Yeah, so. but in those movies there were lots of characters and they were set up okay so at times, but a lot of the times it was the performance that really made the memorable characters the. Crispin Glover character, for example, and can't forget about him ever. (laughs) But in this movie, there were a number of those that had not performances like that, but performances that fit really well and told you everything you need to know. Not all of them. The uh, Brie character was kind of you were like, where'd she come from? Like, who is she? I swear I didn't see (laughs) her. You know, and it's not because I'm dumb and you know I'm well kept, but Jesus, (laughs) like she was just nothing until she needed to have sex with Trent. Right, just needed to be naked for like ten minutes. A lot, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that was that was probably the most simulated sex scene in most films. Yeah, like it was really long, (laughs) and they went back to it like two or three times. Yeah. But I think the characters, like I said, they worked for the most part. There were some that were obviously just there for specific purposes. The Jenna character, she seems like she's going to be the final girl in this movie. Yeah. But this is another one that kind of strays from that, like part nine, where the main person fighting back against Jason is that nerdy guy in the glasses. Yeah. But... In the end, just like in part nine, to a certain extent, this one kind of turned it around so that the the female actually gets the killing blow at the end. Or the, I'm doing finger quotes right now, killing blow. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. But how about the way, it's like double credits, the double beginning credits thing. Because yeah. I, I did notice that they went old school. It was it, It's yeah. that type font that I've seen some other movies use. Yeah, it's like that typewriter looking font. Yeah, it totally yeah. is typewriter font. So... But it looks more like the original stuff, more so than the other New Line movies. Right. But I saw that as more of a callback to the original entries of yeah. the film, you know, starting yeah, with sure. the first one. And, of course, referencing the the Pamela Voorhees story. Now, yeah. now Chris. All right. Yes, Joey. Since you accept this movie as, as a very, very good movie, like yeah, I do. I like it, yeah. Are you prepared to accept that this is the storyline this is the accepted storyline now is it now not so much as it might have been implied in the first original movie where they speculate 
yeah. that Jason has seen his mom get killed. Yeah. And who knows what how old he was, but he had to have been fully grown yeah. in that he, OG version. He would have been like 20 or almost 30. Yeah. 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 So are you prepared to accept this new storyline? To me, I'm, maybe I'm doing a pre-answer here. All right. For me, it, may, it seems to make the most sense going forward. Are you okay with it? Well, yeah. I mean, this. Well, yeah, obviously, this is the storyline for the reboot. This is how it right. is. Right. But the, you wouldn't change anything if you had to. No, I think it. I think it works because they did mess with the timeline a little bit. They didn't just move it up. They moved it to where Pamela Voorhees murdered the counselors pretty and, soon after she thought that her son drowned. Yeah. So yeah, we can just kind of go through the movie a little bit because we're starting back at the beginning. Yeah. So the the opening sequence it's shot in black and white and it takes place in 1980 on Friday the 13th. Yes. And it just shows the final battle between a nameless camp counselor and Pamela Voorhees. Right. And it ends the same way. The counselor chops off Pamela's head. But this time we see little kid Jason who looked about the same age as we saw the images of the drowning kid in the original movie. Yep. And he is, it shows him watching this whole thing happen. And it shows him like walking up. I think he actually picks up the machete too, yeah. if I remember correctly. He does at the know. very end. And with that weird knowledge that Pamela doesn't have yeah. where Jason supposedly is watching her. Right. And so because otherwise, why is she killing? Well, yeah. And so that's a little thing where you kind of have to <laughs> forgive it for, cause this is convenience sake. I mean, this is the story that people tell and this is the story that people think of when they think of the Jason character. Right. So they had to do it. I understand that mm-hmm. it doesn't make a ton of sense that she would not know that her kid was there or that her kid wouldn't say something you know, so you kind of have to forgive that a little bit. But she's probably crazy. Obviously, she's crazy. So I'm sure that played a role in it, yeah. too. To me, though, like, I still like the legend of Jason Voorhees to where it's a legend and you're not sure if that happened. Okay. This movie shows it. We know that this is fact. Right. But at the same time, could that also be a fantasy? Much like where those false endings from the other it movies. could be yeah this could be this is, this is the legend that's told at the beginning sure. just just like at the beginning right. of two where the the weed hunters right are telling the story of jason well, and that's the thing is that uh, when so after that it goes to the kids that are going out to the woods they think most of them think they're going camping there's five of them sure they think they're going camping but these two are like there's a whole bunch of marijuana growing out here because some guy told me and that's what we're actually doing here so it's a secret subplot between these these groups of kids yeah and one of them the nerdy one with the glasses and the gps that wants to find the pot is telling the story of jason Voorhees. yeah is it him or was it his friend yeah no he's the one because he's the know-it-all yeah yeah so this is kind of where it kind of falls a little bit weird for me that kind of maybe makes it so that it might actually just be the opening sequence might be that legend because how would he know that little kid Jason was there? Nobody was there. Right. And nobody has like the people in the area apparently know about some killer in the woods because they kind of say, go away. We want to be left alone because murders have occurred. Right. We know this is the very least. If we know nothing else, we know that murders have occurred in that area over the last 29 years at that point. Yeah. But nobody can possibly know that little kid Jason was there. I understand that. Yeah. That is an impossibility. So it does kind of make me think that for it to work and for you not to have to kind of forgive things, that opening sequence in black and white from 1980 is the legend. Okay. So, and that was just a visual telling of it, even though, so right there at the beginning, it seems a little redundant because the guy with the glasses, his name was Wade. Okay. For him to tell the story that we just saw, (laughs) it's redundant. We don't need to do that. Sure. I mean, I understand that he needed to tell it to his friends to get them scared. Sure. Then, yeah, because... Otherwise, there's no need to stop having sex. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, they stopped because they thought he was out there watching him. Well, but, still. Yeah. Yeah. But it sets up the thing with the other two that go off and find the, the dilapidated house or whatever that Jason had apparently been living in because they find the bed with the name Jason on it. And so <laughs> exactly. that sets up the thing. I didn't have a monogrammed bed when right. I was a kid. Did you? <laughs> yeah, but this kid that lives out in the woods has one. Yeah. He's got uh, nothing else to do but whittle. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> So this movie isn't perfect, but it's good. And 
it's that's not a big problem for me. It's just a little bit of a like you didn't need to do that. You didn't need to take that time to do that. Yeah, but I gotta say that whole setup is worth it just for the chaos that is. It's just on like a motherfucker. Yeah, like as soon as it's on, it is on. Definitely. I mean, Jesus, I think... like the most sadistic, the most innovative Jason. Yeah, it really is, and yeah. You know, I was reading some of the trivia tracks. I like that Derek Mears said he he, he tried to, it, it, along with the director and, and the screenwriters and everything. They, mm. Jason is a is a survivalist. Yeah, he's he's like John Rambo out there, and he really is. He sets up a. We see it later on, kind of skipping around just for that kind of stuff. He has they so Wade actually talks about this mining facility that's in the area. Yeah, they, so they that, planted that seed early, yeah. which which went by me the first right. time. Right, it went yeah. by me this time. I didn't, like you had said it, I think, because yeah. I was probably writing or something. Yeah. And uh, so that sets up the fact that Jason can appear pretty much anywhere he wants because there's these network of tunnels underneath this whole place. Yeah. One line of dialogue is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he sets up these uh, like a bell like with a little trip line. So he sets up alarms for himself. He sets up traps. In this opening sequence, this opening sequence is basically just setting up what Jason is in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Bad ass. Yeah, we've already passed Friday the 13th Part 1. That was the opening black and white sequence. Right. This is Friday the 13th Part 2 because this is Baghead Jason. Yeah. And he... The first murder is Wade and you don't see what happens. Yeah. So it's that... The action shot. But Jason is just this motion you don't really see all of them you see a little bit of the flash of the bag but it's just this gigantic thing coming at him so it's really it's interesting because it's so fast and it's frightening and i'm glad that they did that first one that way because even still at that point you are not expecting what's around the corner yeah because once again, it's about to freaking get yeah amazing. It goes, it, it gets nuts pretty quick because there's a little bit of a quiet because this guy's missing now. Two of the kids are in the house, Jason's house, and two of them went off to have sex in the tent. Yes. and like I said, guess that's your callback to part nine. Uh, yeah, I because I guess it's the first tent one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, yeah, there's that maybe. whole thing and. There's going to be one, and then, and then the kills, yeah. part, part seven, but with an amazing twist on it. Yeah, it, it did feel like a little bit of a reference, but a lot different. Yeah. He takes the girl, uh, Amanda, after her and her boyfriend, Mike, they, she has Mike go out and look, because she thinks that Wade is watching them, spying on them while they're having yeah. sex. And by the way, definitely rich kids. Yeah. Let's point that out. These are definitely privileged rich kids sure he has like a portable gps and they've got all this nice camping gear yeah exactly yeah Yeah. top of the line stuff yeah you know obviously the sister that's going to go missing is a little bit more basic uh humble because uh number one because of her mannerisms yeah and the the first girl that gets naked she has obvious implants, like these ugly crater <laughs> implants. I'm that's sorry. How you judge it. Yeah. 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 And that's how we know that she has money because sure. she's yeah. probably barely an adult and she already yeah, has a boob job. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, so, yeah. Yeah, take it back away. Yeah. This is how so, they do the seven reference. Yeah. Once this moment of quiet happens, Richie finds Wade's body and it's pretty bloody. Um, you don't yeah. know exactly what happened to him, but his ear is chopped off and the side of his head is all bloody. Yeah, and it's not cartoony. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not. It really isn't. It's no smiley face in a tree. It's like gore and it's kind of dark. You can't tell exactly what happened. Yeah. But then once that happens, he starts running and everything picks up with that. The speed of his running like leads into the speed of the next few Ooh. sequences, nice. which is uh, Jason rips open the tent he grabs the girl and puts her in a sleeping bag and then when the guy makes it back to where they are he sees that she's suspended from a tree over the campfire not quite touching it yet yeah so this is a sadistic jason like he's yeah. taking pleasure in torturing these people but yeah. he's also setting up traps for people having her still alive in that sleeping bag causes this guy to run towards her and he steps into a bear trap yeah. so he's really smart he's yeah. he's reactionary but he's really intelligent and he knows what he's doing he is kind of like like you said that survivalist man- mentality yeah. where he's setting all these things up for very specific purposes it's yeah. not just to frighten it's to draw in and yeah who's the guy that wound up in the bear trap richie 
Richie, okay, yeah. that Richie kill where he gets the machete in the head, yeah, that's one of the best CG kills I've ever was, seen. That was really good. Yeah, Man, that's well done. Right, because so Amanda, well, someone else is well done too. But right, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amanda gets well done because as Richie is trapped in the bear trap, the flames start to catch the bag on fire, and she burns alive in the sleeping bag. We don't see her die necessarily, but we hear her screams and the smoke and everything. Yeah. Then it cuts back to the other two that are in the house, and the door slams shut, and so they're trapped in there. They've just discovered Jason's mother's head in the wall yeah. like he thought it was a doll <laughs> i yeah. like this the scene because if you know the movies at all you know what's in that wall yeah yeah but the characters don't it's that dramatic irony of don't reach in there yeah don't touch that who wants to touch an old fucking doll it's <laughs> right. got mold and right. rat shit on it probably <laughs> yeah. seriously but he reaches in and pulls it out it's the head and then all chaos starts there yeah. jason starts he yeah. goes underneath the house you don't see him do it but the machete just starts popping up through the floor yeah and so mike is the guy with the girl whitney and mike apparently was no good at playing the floor as lava because he can't get off the floor he t- whitney gets up on the, the that's all it's too late yeah up on the tub but yeah he gets stabbed like three or four times and he gets jason then like reaches up he breaks through the floor and reaches up and pulls mike down it's yeah. so cool yeah like and then he use he's blood starts to come out of mike as he's getting killed as he's being yeah. pulled down thankfully really... he didn't go he's killing me he's right. killing me <laughs> it's just a really cool shot and sequence and then as whitney bolts out the door one of my favorite shots of the movie is when Jason just busts up through the floor, wood goes flying everywhere, and he comes up out of the floor after. Such a cool shot. And then, like, you know, we assume that they have just all now just been wasted because right. they stop down on the, the hatchet going yeah, towards Whit- Whitney. Whitney right? goes back towards the camp because yeah. that's the only light. It's the campfire. That's the yeah. only light out there. Yeah. And she tries to help Richie get out of the bear trap. He gets the machete in the But head. he's also a trap. He's exactly. a trap. It's a trap of a trap. Jason left Richie alive to it to make Whitney stop there. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then Jason comes up after he kills Richie, turns to Whitney, and then we don't see what happens. You see movement again, just like we saw with Wade. Yeah. But then it cuts, and that's when the movie starts. That's right. when you get the opening title credit, or so, not the title credits, but the opening title shot. Yeah, it's almost, but it almost feels like a timeline credit. Yeah. It's Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Like, it's like they've already done all the other cast and director yeah, things at yeah. the beginning, but then it gives you that. Oh, yeah. like I mean, it it's it works perfectly to put the title right there, sure. because it's like. Well, we're just getting started now. Yeah, I mean, we're almost a half is. hour yeah. in, and it's like, twenty-three minutes. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. But, I remember that's what that's what made the star rating go up immediately for me. I was like, right. okay, they're not playing. Yeah, this is this. Oh, you did all this amazing stuff. It's like right. it's Expendables two, where there's like two hundred headshots <laughs> right. before the title even hits the yeah. screen. Yeah, and I'm not even almost exaggerating there. Right, and that's I mean that's exactly what it is. That it's it's set up. You had the nudity, you had the sex, you had the drugs. You had the murders, you had some funny banter, and you had violent murders. It's everything that Friday the 13th has come to be. And it says, okay, this is what this movie is. Are you ready to start now? Yeah, because we're going to do it again. We're going to draw it out a little more now, but we're going to do the same thing. (laughs) Pretty much all of it. Yeah, but it's not like this sequence is completely separate from the rest, because this leads into the next one. We see the... After the opening credits, we see another. We're introduced to another group of kids. Yeah, a few more this time. And one of the opening things is they go stop at a gas station, like you always do in these slasher movies. You stop at the gas station before you head out into the woods. No bikers this time. Yeah, no bikers. No prophet of doom, really. Not at that point. Yeah, it's it's kind of. I guess the most the closest to a prophet of doom would be the the old lady. I was gonna say yeah, the old lady with with the dog. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, even then, like. You know, it's a little too late at that point. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. he's not going to stop doing it yeah. based on what she says. Yeah. But, yeah, but the biggest gas, harbinger for sure. Yeah, but the gas station is where the group of kids meet... They take food stamps there, by the way? <laughs> right. Okay. They meet Clay, who's played by Jared Padalecki. Padalecki? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. From the guy from Supernatural. Yeah, the long-haired one. Yeah. <laughs> they meet him, and he is playing basically the same character that Rob was in part four. Like we said, he is looking for his sister who we learn really quickly because he has posters is the girl from the opening sequence where we didn't see what happened to her. Yes. And because very important plot mm -hmm. point, 
she takes that locket yeah. at the beginning yeah. before they start before all the wackiness ensues yeah. and the head rolls out. They set that up immediately because her boyfriend Mike says, "Oh, you look like her." It's a, it's one of those lockets that opens and there's pictures inside. Yeah. And they uh, very well done not showing Jason's face in there because they still won't yeah. kind of commit to what he looks yeah, like right. in the face yeah. as a baby, yeah. so or as an infant child yeah. or whatever. So, but yeah, the fact that she looks kind of like kind Jason's of sort of, mom. Yeah. And not that, uh, was it Jenny in part two? Yeah. That played that up, even though she looked nothing like her? Yeah, well, she had the sweater, and Jason's not very smart, and but he can't what, see well out of the bag. Right, but once again, a chance to improve. Oh, and, yeah. And have a great reference uh, for your yeah, reboot. that's absolutely what this was, and they set it up early. That, with the sweater, was set up almost at the end of the movie, and yeah, then paid uh, off yeah, at I the know. end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But this one is a little bit better because like i said they do set it up and they do play it through throughout the movie you see it a couple times throughout before it's actually used but it's a great reference to that but it also that's one thing that i like about this movie is that they have a lot of references but they don't stand out as references they feel like part of the movie exactly that's one thing i don't like about certain movies where they shove a reference in and it's super obvious and blatant and it pulls you out of the movie and you're like oh that's that movie. Oh, oh you, that's you mean movie. like all the original Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters reboot? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, what I heard. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that was... I. I well, this isn't a Ghostbusters <laughs> podcast. I didn't dislike the movie. I thought it was fine up in the last act wasn't good. But I'm not going to get into that. But yes. okay. We're not going to because I haven't seen it. Yeah, so. but the... Yeah, exactly. So the original Ghostbusters in that movie was so distracting to everything else, and those were kind of my least favorite parts. And that's kind of, in a lot of movies that do that, I don't like it. But in this movie, it works because there were things where I was like, oh yeah, but it took me a second because it felt natural in the progression of the plot. Yeah, plus anybody, once again, let's say this is catered, not even towards hardcore fans, even though there's great stuff for hardcore fans. But it works on the other side too. Right. If this is someone's first Friday the 13th film, they're not going to know any of that exposition or anything. Yeah. The archery range, the lights, yeah. you know, all of those great references of the first yeah. one. And there's little references in 7 yeah. and 5 and 6. Four. I mean, they're, they're yeah. four, I mean, pretty much 1 through 7 yeah. gets referenced pretty well in this. Yeah. Of course, they, they go heavy on the early ones. Yeah. But yeah, I noticed little things. I even was kind of looking for more references as we went on because you, you probably yeah. thought I might have been stretching it a little bit. Like, oh well, the, him carrying the body <laughs> yeah. is for six, and the wheelchair is from two because there's a wheelchair yeah. like in his basement. You know, yeah, that seems like it probably is a reference for sure. And like, yeah. why would he have that otherwise? He, yeah, yeah. The fun, the one carrying stuff. the body, I think it does work as a reference, but at the same time, like I said, it doesn't feel. You had to point it out to me, and I was like, yeah, I guess it does kind of feel like one, but it doesn't draw attention to itself. Running into a barn in the last act. That's two that's, different movies. Yeah, that's 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 surely a reference. Three and, and five, right? Yeah, but it doesn't, again, it doesn't it doesn't draw attention to itself, because mm-hmm. they set up the barn early in the movie. They set up the wood chipper early in the movie. Yes, they did. Yeah. Very so, well, too, yeah, I may add. Right. And not, not so obvious. They didn't do a hard hold on it. Yeah. They just ran to a guy that was working the chipper, and yeah. that's what they do out there. Yeah. So I think the I think the script was really good for this movie. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the only like forced things about it, but you had to get there at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's really any other way to bring the mask into it. I was about to say that's the really the only thing that felt really forced was the mask. Yeah, but you have to have the mask. Yeah, and to have a kid bring it with them just like they did in three would have felt almost two on the nose yeah know? yeah that so taking me out of it because who has that type of hockey mask in this day and age it has to come from somewhere old because those masks are just aren't around they, yeah. they're around because of friday the 13th that you don't see those masks anymore so yeah. it has to be he found it in the attic when he was murdering the the garbage guy that was working yeah. the wood chipper we established that this guy or his boss is basically the fred sanford of this town right. so he's <laughs> he's gonna have it more than anybody yeah so we have the the whole group of kids now and they're out there just to party like in a whole bunch of the other movies which you know it's fine it's like people have parties that's what you do but they set up the they set up the douchebag character the guy that owns or he doesn't own it his dad owns the house yeah. 
And, but they I think they set him up well because I hated this guy right from the start. Oh yeah, because he's that guy. So he's he's a modern day horror jerk. Right. Yeah, yeah. and he's really good at it too because he got yeah. under my skin a little bit right from the start. Sure. Because Clay is in the gas station trying to put up the posters, and this guy Trent is just like. So are you going to be here all day? And just that thing where he keeps talking and he won't shut up and he gets under the character skin, but he gets under my skin as well. Yeah. And this, and you know, Clay is obviously a Southern gentleman yeah. because anybody else probably would have popped that guy in about right. two seconds. Yeah. I mean, seriously. But he walks away and he continues to do it throughout the movie. Yeah. So even though we don't go super deep into Clay's backstory, since he is the, probably I would say he's the protagonist of this movie. Yeah. But we do get a little bit. We know that his sister was is missing we don't know what happened to her at yeah. first we know that his mother has just died recently and yeah. so we get a little bit of background but it's mostly his reactions to trent i think that really set up his character in the movie because of how he's taller than anyone out there he's, yeah. a, he's a pretty big guy yeah and except for jason except for jason because yeah. that's probably why Derek mirrors got cast because yeah. he's damn near seven feet right. tall yeah so yeah but <laughs> the way that he reacts to trent and also jenna who is surprisingly clingy like she we don't go into the jenna character very much which i think is kind of a failure of the movie sure she i feel like she's just there to have Clay talk to someone so that we can learn a little bit more about his connection to yeah. the location and Jason and everything else. And maybe the other reason why Clay is the way he is is because they established that the sheriff is already on to him as yeah. far as like why he's in town. Right. Stop rocking the boat, dude. Yeah. And if he starts shit, like say punch a guy at a convenience store, That's cops true. get called, yeah. guess who's getting run out of town and guess who has to give up his search now? Right. Yeah. So that obviously is some of it too. He's... Yeah. He's being very protective of himself at the same time. Right. You know, because he's, he's on the defense just period right now. Yeah. And that actually leads to one of the more interesting scenes, I think, a little bit later. And kind of jump forward. Because sure. this portion of the movie is just setting up these characters. And it, like, I, like we said, it sets them up well. It gets to the point where some of the kids start dying. And um, in, in interesting ways, a lot of them. Yeah. Like, they're, they're all pretty interesting. The one underneath the pier was a little goofy just because of the way that... So it was, but the, the way it started was, yeah, was pretty damn great. Yeah, the Chelsea <laughs> character after her boyfriend Nolan dies on the boat with the arrow through the back of his head, the yeah. Chelsea character gets hit by the boat and she sees Jason as she's basically about to drown. Yeah, but she goes up and hides underneath the pier. And there's one of your favorite shots in there where she's looking up and Jason's walking along the pier and you're looking through the slats. Yeah, underneath it, and it's really cool looking. Because I had talked in one of our previous episodes about the shot underneath the guy that walks on his hands and okay. the machete comes down and falls towards it. I don't like that kind of shot. But this shot works because it's her point of view, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you see little bits of Jason as it goes by. Yeah. And then <laughs> then he he jams the machete down through one of the slats and it hits her in the top of the head. Perfectly. Which, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, he obviously saw her down there. Yeah. But she's so still it's a little kind of silly, yeah. but then when he pulls up and it knocks her, she slams her head into the bottom of the pier. <laughs> she shows her breast, of course, because you have to. Even and though then, she's already done that. Yeah, so. and then he pulls it the rest of the way out and she falls underneath. So that was probably, I think, bordering on a little bit silly for sure. the kills. But the sure. rest of them were all pretty yeah. gruesome and yeah, well done. Yeah, and I kind of caught the arrow thing. It felt like that one in part three. Yeah. Just, prior, just the, the first hockey mask oh, like kill the, in part the three. the harpoon thing yeah. uh, to Ma uh, Vera, I believe it was. Yeah, made me think of that. And yeah, she gets freaking bumped in the head with the boat. I mean, yeah. I don't know I don't know what that says about me, but I laugh every time. I know that's terrible. <laughs> it was boom. You know, like even the sound it makes. Yeah. But... That I read, and you know, I don't do too much of that behind-the-scenes stuff. I yeah. try not to do it on these episodes, but I loved the original idea because you didn't like that kill as much. Yeah. But apparently, one of the original ideas was since she had been kind of knocked out, that's definitely a concussion. Yeah. Easily. Oh yeah. yeah. So, in the in the original one of the original scripts, apparently they just had Jason wait her out, and she just drowns because she just gives up. Yeah, I think like, that would have been interesting. That would have been pretty sad and yeah, kind of excruciating. That's dark. Yeah, it's really dark. I, I kind of would have liked. I think I would have liked that a little bit more than yeah. the the way that they had done that one. That would have gotten that cool point of view shot, though. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing that I uh, would regret. Yeah, there. but you would have gotten a cool like underwater shot where she's 
finally given up and she's going down slowly through the water looking up through the the light you know that that kind of shot sure yeah yeah apparently she uh i i i don't follow celebrity stuff all that well right but apparently she uh was married to one of dallas's finest mike madonna the dallas stars that was his wife so yeah and the fourth breast of the uh, movie Well, the third and fourth. Third and fourth, sorry. <laughs> respectively. <laughs> Very respectively. Right, let's, yeah. let's add that. By the way, the movie was shot in Texas, too. Yeah. Set in yeah. Jersey, shot in Texas. Nice. Yeah. I don't know what that says about us. Totally kidding. I love Jersey. <laughs> so. But yeah, so, at, and at this point, um, just to kind of catch up and get to the point I was heading towards. Sorry. No, yeah, no, I got off on a tangent. Uh, Jenna has decided that Trent is a douchebag because he is, and... She seemed like she was with him, but she didn't really seem all that... Neither one of them seemed all that concerned that they were separating. And who's still doing that in college age? That's yeah. such a high school thing to do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're a little bit old for that, I think. Yeah. But she goes off with Clay to search because she doesn't want to hang out with the people in the house. It's definitely more stimulating, for yeah. sure. And so that's the exposition stuff where she's just accompanying him and he's telling about his sister and their mother and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All the murders happen. They finally, Jenna and Clay find out, or they see, that's the one where you're talking about the where Jason is carrying the body. They find Camp Crystal Lake. They see Jason come through. And this was, I really like this sequence because this is one of the few times where, in the entire series, where we've seen two of the characters watching Jason and he's completely unaware. He doesn't know that they're there at all. Yeah, that's rare. So I thought that was a really interesting scene in how they shot it from kind of from their perspective a little bit not necessarily always point of view shots but you were kind of away and behind things looking at jason up that was really interesting to me yeah um because this movie it's things like that that humanized jason in this movie he didn't seem like this otherworldly thing like even in the first three where he was still kind of a person where he was still a living person right he still felt larger than life yeah, uh, I should say the first or the second and third. I should say. And how many times did he almost get killed in this movie? Zero. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing where it set him up. It wasn't humanizing in the way that the Halloween reboot humanized Michael Myers, where you went Thank into all God. that backstory. And I've talked about it before. I don't like that. I don't like humanizing killers in that way. But what I mean by humanizing Jason is it made him feel like a living person. Yeah. And it's shot like that. Shots like that where you. He doesn't. He's not aware of everything all the yeah. time. Yeah. That make you think that maybe he can be defeated. Maybe this yeah. Jason can be killed. Yeah, he's not supernatural. Yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, jeez. So by doing that, it sets up a good tension in the movie. When you have a killer that cannot be killed, it sets up a different dynamic in the entire movie. The tension isn't about will they be able to defeat him. It's just they just have to run away. Yeah, because these people don't seem to be terribly dumb. Right. So if you're dealing with that, yeah. then guess what? In the movie. Right. You you get in the car, yeah. whatever car you can find, and you drive it to the other edge of the other coast. Yeah. And then you get on a boat, and then you keep going yeah. until you can't go anymore. Yeah. The earth is not flat, by the way. <laughs> uh, that's it. In a movie. Because yeah. these people aren't stupid. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. But Presumed dead. Move on. <laughs> yeah. They're not stupid. And that's the thing with this human Jason who can think and he doesn't speak. He, there, There's obviously still something wrong with him. But he feels like a person that can be defeated, which, like I said, it, it's a battle. It's not a one-sided murder spree. You yeah. know, I like that. Yeah. I really like that about this movie. Yeah, we didn't have to bring in a telekinetic this time around. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, after all this happens, Jenna and Clay get back to the house, and the surviving people in there, it's Lawrence, Jenna, Clay, Bree, and Trent. There's five of them in the house. Yeah. And and almost Chewy. Yeah, almost, almost Chewy. He had just been killed previously in a very entertaining sequence. I like the Chewy character. He's, he's very good. Yeah. Like, you would think that that guy was going to be just a massive cliche. Yeah. And he even references being a cliche. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, both Lawrence and Chewie do. Yeah. Yeah, throughout yeah. the movie. And, and, and they kind of break that. Yeah. But also it's like they're 
they're smart, but they're kind of dumb at the same time. They're yeah. just dumb enough to yeah. be there. Yeah, but they're fun, and I <laughs> yeah. like their characters yeah, exactly. a lot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because, again, it's well-written, and the lines that fit them, and they act... They both kind of fill that similar role, mm-hmm. but they feel like individual characters. They don't feel like the same character, just with different faces. Yeah. And I feel like they're both there, because they're not there with any girls. Right. They're not total yuck monkeys. I feel right. like they're actual... I always got from those characters that they're there to kind of mooge off Trent's money yeah. to where it will benefit them down the road exactly. and they can just ditch him later. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> Chewie was almost basically saying that. He yeah. wouldn't talk back to Trent to his face, but when he goes into the tool shed or whatever it is... <laughs> it's the size of yeah, someone's house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, you never use this stuff. And he's talking, he's saying what he wants to say to Trent to yeah. all of this stuff. And he gets his Trent's dad's like scotch or something is like oh this tastes like money and yeah. just like downs it and and Lawrence they even reference early on that he's starting a label oh yeah so <laughs> he's looking for money yeah yeah right there and that that's was, why he's there yeah that was a funny thing because Lawrence said something about music and yeah. one I think it was the it was, Chelsea character yeah. was like oh like hip hop or rap or something yeah. he's like oh because I'm black you think it's gonna be blah 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 it's like yeah. well what is it. Rap music, and then <laughs> yeah, they go inside. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So it's that kind of like pointing it out, but then making it part of the movie and having us be comfortable with everything yeah. and making like again, it feels organic. One of my favorite sequences is when Lawrence goes out to find Chewie. He goes to try to save him. He gets like a pan as a shield and a, <laughs> something else in his hand, like so he has like a sword and shield to go out yeah. there. But um, so of course he doesn't succeed, and he gets an axe in the back. But again, Jason doesn't kill him. And this is, if you didn't think that, if you didn't realize that Jason was setting things up to draw people out and for his own purposes, they literally say it. Yeah. Clay says, like, you can hear Lawrence screaming for help yeah. out just outside the door. Yeah. And Clay is like, no, don't go out there. He's trying to draw you out. Yeah. This was interesting to me because up to this point, we kind of felt like Clay was this very altruistic character that was looking out for people but in this instance we see he's only he's really kind of only looking out for he's protecting himself i know it's like probably the proper thing to do but if all four of them went out there they could probably have gotten lawrence i think you know it's that kind of deal i know in that situation it would have been difficult to actually do that with the beer and knowing How powerful he is. Plus, he was on the roof right about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would just jump out. He would have next. Somebody would have been killed. Yeah, but at the same oh, time, and he also knew the cops were being called. Like he yeah, totally knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I just think that was a really interesting scene because it sets up this really weird moral dilemma no. for these four characters that have a good chance of saving this person, but they don't do it. They stay in the house. You know, Trent's not going to go out there. Jenna wanted to go out there. Sure, Bree was just freaking out. Yeah. So you had all these four characters. It was just really that was one of my favorite sequences yeah. in the movie. It's very well done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the cop just cop got it worse than like almost any other yeah. cop in the history of the franchise. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, how's it? Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. But I like you know they there weren't really any fully throwaway characters because the cop is the one that talks to Clay early on and says. Yeah. He sets up kind of, he's there for exposition, but he shows back up in the first Friday the 13th movie. The cop shows up, he does the exposition stuff, you never see him again. But in this one, he comes back, and he actually doesn't really serve a purpose, he serves a purpose to die. Yeah. But he's that hope, and then the hope is taken away. You know, you're not escaping, this isn't your escape. Uh, so we, we were talking during the movie, and <laughs> this might have been a bad idea to talk during the movie, but uh, initially we might have thought that her escaping was kind of like a uh, kind of a takeaway like oh you know like a tease that oh she's gonna make it and then like she just gets pulled away and get gets pulled back in yeah do you think that by doing that like i think is that how he found the house and the rest of the people like i'm trying to remember that's the only thing i can't remember because you know like i said i feel as lost as i would be in the mine shaft right now but i don't think at this point that he's I think he just killed Chewie, and then he found her right after that, because 
it takes a while because Chewie doesn't come back right away, so it takes a while for him to send Lawrence out there. So well, that, Chewie... So he had to make those kind of tracks. That's the only thing that I had a little bit of a problem with. He back and forth a lot, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's real fast, especially if you're carrying a human. I don't care how strong you yeah. are. But I think he kills Chewie, and then he sees her somehow just running up to the house. What a, what a piece of dumb freaking luck. Yeah, but at the same time, like... Jenna and Clay had run from Camp Crystal Lake back. He was, because they've been discovered, too. Yeah. So he's, so he's all over the place. Like yeah. he's, he's got all these... Man, like, yeah, that's why I got like, a little confused. So it's, it's not even exactly, Jason was on overload at this point. Yeah, it's not exactly clear in that sequence how all of that takes place. And uh, I don't remember exactly when he grabbed Whitney and pulled her back and... Because, I mean, but he knew the house was there. He's lived in those woods for, yeah. like, how long? I suppose but, so. Yeah. I guess, you know, it's I mean, it's a little bit of a, a nitpick. But, I mean, yeah, no, no. it's it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just like, mm, okay. Gotcha. I mean, I guess it kind of works. Yeah. But everything else, you know, the constant references to good portions of the franchise. Yeah. There's, like I said, there's tons of stuff here for diehards and tons of stuff here for newbies. Yeah. And I love when you can get everybody together. It's like, that's why I like the Marvel movies so much. Yeah. Is because me and you take completely different journeys into those movies. Because sure. you know about most of those comics. Yeah. And I'm not disparaging comics. I just have an addictive personality and I don't need to go there. All right. But when I watch the movies, I enjoy the movies, and I get plenty yeah. of decent backstory to where I can enjoy these characters. Yeah. So any good script is going to do that, and I think this movie actually pulls it off. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and only with six breasts. <laughs> There's the official Joe yeah. Bob tribute right. for the night. Yeah. And but there was a lot of screen time for those six. Hey, yeah. hey now. I mean, hey, those adjectives were kind of spot on, i got to say. You <laughs> know, stupendous, so. I think it stupendous was, that the Trent kept using. Maybe outrageous yeah. or something. But yeah, just to, just to close it up, like get to the, the finish of the movie. So Trent gets murdered. I I liked how he died. That was that was pretty good. They prolonged it. Yeah, just to, just long enough. Right. And if I hadn't known that Crazy Ralph had died, I would have I would have swore that was Crazy Ralph yeah, driving the thing. Because why else would you have a dude that's got like a hose attached to his? Like yeah. that seems like it would be somebody was, that we're supposed to know. Uh, yeah, exactly. There was there was a little bit too much uh, set dressing on that guy for it to be. I don't. It felt like it was important, but it wasn't so much. Yeah. So I get the fake out of Trent didn't know who was in the truck or not. Yeah. But and that was kind of. It felt to me like a little bit of a reference back to Pamela Voorhees, who we don't know who was in the jeep or not. You know? Sure. Sure. But uh, Jason wasn't in the truck, and it was. There's he, another tow truck reference in one of the other movies too. I'm yeah, just forgetting which yeah. one it is, but it's in there. Yeah. So, I, I like Trent's death. I wish that Clay had been a little bit involved to get a little bit of a sense of, not necessarily revenge, because I don't want Clay to be a person who would have killed anyone. Or be an accessory, at least. But right? have him at least see it, or something, <laughs> sure. you know? Have the have the thing where Trent is dying, and Clay actually tries to save Trent, you know? Sure. But fails, and he dies anyway. But that would have added a little bit more to the clay character but that's just again that's a little bit of a, a nitpick and not necessary for the movie it just goes back to like part seven where tina didn't get to have some hand in the murder of dr cruz you know i think it, it felt like a little bit of a, a missed opportunity yeah. for a little bit of closure between those two characters because they did set up trent and clay as having this conflict between the two of them but it never got to pay off yeah because right. As in most of these movies, Jason is a plot line steamroller. And any plot lines, he's just going to run right over it and, and knock it out of the way. Yes. Which, you know, it's fine. It's, it's his yes. movie, really. So we're back into the mineshaft. Clay and Jenna find Whitney, and there's a whole sequence like we talked about. So we don't really exactly know where everything is, but we know Jason's coming. Sure. That's all we need to know, because the characters don't know the layout of the mineshaft. So right. it, it, it that's why they did it that way. Yeah. And then Jenna gets killed as they're escaping. What do you think about that death? I, I like it because it was surprising. Yeah. You expected her to go to distance because yeah. she was one of the two innocents in this. Well, I'd say three. She, all three innocents are lined up right then and there. Yeah. And the fact that one of them didn't make it out, I think that actually works really well. Yeah. And like you said, once she outlived, she literally outlived her purpose in the movie. Yeah. The sister yeah. has been found. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like, trying to be story wise, yeah. script wise. You don't need Jenna anymore. She's yeah. kind of extra. She doesn't. They haven't built her character 
to really have a connection to anyone, even Clay, at this yeah, point. Because after after we're done here, yeah, then what's he going to do? You don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me. Right. I'm a loner, yeah. a rebel. Yeah, and so that's unnecessary it's stuff whole life ahead of to you. try to wrap up at the end. So Steamroller Jason knocks that plot line out of the movie. Yep. And I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, I hate to sound like an right. asshole, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She just... I don't know. Yeah, I think there was the opportunity to build that character a little more, but it would have taken away from other characters and as we've kind of talked about through this series with movies like this time is precious for character building and you kind of want to push that time towards the main one or two yeah and they did that with clay specifically yeah exactly but it is they go they end up in the barn but whitney is the one that gets the killing blow she holds up the locket and they had hung him up with a chain over the slats on the like the second level of the barn and so he's just being like in three yep just like in three well, without chains yeah and he's slowly being pulled into the wood chipper that they had set up and but whitney is the one that gets the machete to the to the chest of jason and yeah. he doesn't get pulled into the wood chipper and i understand why they did that because yeah. if they were to have a sequel they couldn't have destroyed Jason's head. And also it had been more cartoony if he had. Yeah. And this is not a movie based on any kind of yeah. cartoon violence. And that's interesting because Jason's death wasn't the most violent death. There was a lot of stuff that happened to him. Yeah. But as far as like blood and gore and stuff, yeah. there wasn't a ton, relatively yeah. speaking. There was a lot of blood that came out of his chest, but they didn't linger on it. And he didn't get any of his head chopped off. Yeah. It was... It was surprisingly restrained and i like that about this movie because i think a lot of movies and some certain directors that get famous for this kind of thing would have gone way over the top with it and they didn't and i think that helped serve the purpose of the film and make it about the characters and not the blood as much it was about the blood in the movie but in the end it was about clay and whitney getting together and getting away yeah so Without going into too much detail about the ending, not that we're not spoiling stuff. However, if you've seen it, you've seen it. Mm. Chris. Yes. I bet you know how to put a script together, or at least a treatment at this point. Okay. Uh, if you're writing the sequel that I want so bad, mm-hmm. is that a dream sequence at the end, the last minute? How, yeah. you, how you put how you make it as a sequel? What, what what's your open there? <laughs> Help me out. As as much as I don't like relying on dream sequences, it feels like this. It's part of the series. Dream sequences are a part of the Friday the 13th series. So what we're talking about is the end where after all that happens in the barn, for some reason, Clay and Whitney drag Jason across however far away from that barn and dump him into the lake. And why? Keep him chained to the thing. Double tap. Do everything you have. Triple tap. Do everything you have to do. Don't, Don't poke the bear. Right. If you think he's dead, then why would you do that that's it feels like do they know do do they think that there's one thing once again kind of the humanization of jason they've murdered somebody yeah whether you know obviously in self-defense but in this day and age csi and all that jazz maybe that's the thinking here is that we're just gonna dump them in the lake and then walk away from and then have to go on with our lives that way you know this can't possibly come up and if it does, I think that, that we'll be forgiven for it. But let's not get anybody else involved in this. And if it's not a dream sequence, that's the yeah. best excuse I can Yeah, I guess. It did make a ton of sense. Just like the opening sequence didn't make a ton of sense if you think sure. about it. Sure. And we kind of said that that could have been not necessarily a dream, but a visualization of the legend. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, if I were going to make a sequel from this movie... I think that that last scene would have been a dream sequence because it does mirror the end of parts one and three and a bunch of them. Yeah. And it's so Whitney's sitting on the pier and Clay is a little bit, he's over on the the shore or something. And Jason pops up out of the pier and grabs Whitney and then it cuts. You don't see what happens. With his mask on again. With his mask on. He's a fast fucking swimmer, that guy. That's the thing, is like, they dump him into the water, the mask falls off, and we see it book it down to the bottom of the lake. We don't really see what happens to Jason. Sure. 
But Jason, for some reason, swims to the bottom of this lake and then swims all the... Puts the mask on underwater yeah. and then comes yeah. back up. Why, why would he do that? Well, we've all done that missile shot in the pool where we stay yeah. on the bottom and go right yeah. back up. And that's but, obviously what he did there. But why would he do that? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean... And, and and his they they kicked the blade into the water too, didn't they? Uh, they dropped. She dropped the locket into the water. Yeah, she dropped that. Yeah. I think I they may have dropped the machete into. I, I think so. But, so like, you're just gonna use your arms this time, huh? Yeah. All right. So I think. I mean, you don't actually have to make that a dream sequence for it no, to she, work. She just wakes up at the beginning from the dream. Yeah, that's it. So, well, it's been established. It's canon in the movie or or the <laughs> original series that Jason makes women pass out when he chases them. We set yeah. that up in what three and uh is it two or one yeah we, we talked about and it one of our main ideas yeah. jasonism roll it back a little bit right. what else does he do then oh he's... yeah he controls the weather <laughs> and yes. like towards the end of the movie that's it yeah because when it looks like clay and whitney have a chance of getting away because yeah. jason is kind of a back he's clay has just kind of gotten whitney away from the bus that was on top of hiding one of the entrances to the mine's place. And so they're running. And Jason's not as fast. He's a big guy. Yeah. So he calls the rain down from the heavens yes. in order to make mud to slow down Clay and Whitney. Yeah. That's absolutely what happened. You hear the lightning, the electricity that he also controls. Yes. And, yeah, so that's back <laughs> in this movie, too. So All right. Yeah. So nice thumbs up on both ends. Yeah, I think so. Favorite kill? I think, man, it's difficult. I think that there are a lot of good kills in this movie. Uh, you see a lot of most of them, and it looks good. Yeah, Because exactly. it, they used CGI to enhance rather than, for the most part, rather mm. than mostly completely doing. Yeah. Like, one of the things I hate is, like, they CGI didn't. blood. It never <laughs> looks real. Yeah, they didn't, as I like to say, they didn't underworld it or Van right. Helsing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. the worst kind of CG. And I think it helped that it was dark in a lot of these. And I think my favorite kill is was pretty dark, and you couldn't see everything that happened. But it was really one of the more gruesome ones, I think. But maybe one of the more understated ones. And it was Chewy in the, in the, the tool shed. Because it's the one... I like the character, and his whole scene by himself, talking to himself in there, really made me like him a lot. Yeah. And so when Jason gets him, and he, I think it's a screwdriver he has, and he yeah. knocks him up against the wall, you can't see a whole lot, because it is kind of dark, and the lights are flashing, yeah. because Chewie knocked out the light with a hockey stick. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and so it's kind of almost a strobe effect, so you can't see all of it, but you see him slowly push this thing underneath Chewie's chin it's as like his a head goes back. a screwdriver. I think it's a screwdriver, yeah. I want to say, because it looks, it's like short, and he yeah. shoves it into his neck, and Chewie can still talk at first, yeah. but then the blood comes up, and he starts to gurgle. Yeah. You see the blood slowly drip down the, the metal cylinder yeah. of the screwdriver, yeah. and then blood starts to come out of his mouth, and it keeps coming out of his mouth. Yeah. And it, it's, I don't know, it was, I think that was one of the more visceral ones. It was really gruesome, and I think yeah. that's kind of why I like that one. I almost got a zombie flashback, you know, Fulci. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> It's not as... Just it's, like it's no eye, it's no broken <laughs> door to the eye, but but yeah. still, it it kind of it 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 went on for so yeah. long. That was the thing yeah. I think is that it was more of Chewie's actions in the moment and his slow kind of gurgling death. Yeah, I think that made it really stand out to me. And it just kept amping up the stock of how sadistic Jason yeah. is. Still, like he's not yeah. he's not gonna get bored with this anytime right. soon. I'm going with Nolan, the guy, the the Matthew McConaughey lookalike <laughs> yeah. on the boat. Also, daytime kill, rare in the it's series. Rare, yeah. Re reminds me all the way back to the Annie kill in part one. Yeah, and also it comes out of nowhere because you know that they're done for. Yeah, but you figured they had at least another two or three minutes. They do the whole uh, you know water skiing bit. Yeah, and then you know maybe something happens two minutes after that yeah didn't ever expect it to happen that early and i just loved it like yeah yeah i think one of i really like that one too and part of it is you really don't expect it his head isn't towards the camera we see the back of his head in this moment yeah he had just i think he was had looked back he, behind him because this is when he's driving the boat and uh she's fall she's falling Chelsea. off yeah. yeah and so he turns back around 
So when these people get killed, you kind of expect to see their facial reaction. Yeah. But the arrow just goes pop right into yeah. the back of his head yep. in a shot that you don't expect it. Yeah. And not just what you said where you think we're going to see more of them. It's the way the shot is framed that really kind of puts that over, that unexpected nature of it. Yeah. And then so. he turns around and you see it coming out of the front of his face. Too. Yeah. So in a movie of great kills, I'm going to have to go with that one. All right. Yeah. So. That's a good one. Yeah. And that leads to one of your favorite sequences where Chelsea gets the boat in the head. <laughs> yeah. Boat to the head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I think, yeah, like you said, I think it's uh, pretty clear that we enjoyed this movie quite a lot. Yeah, I think, especially after watching all of these movies, all of these 12 Friday the 13th and or Jason movies in a row... If this is the last Friday the 13th movie ever, I think it's a pretty good one to end on. Yeah. Because it is, it's kind of an homage, it's very much an homage to the entire series. I think it's a gift to the fans because fans made this movie. Yeah. The people that made it either grew up or in their formative years were watching these movies. And if not, it's clear that they became a fan at some point. Like you said with your Derek Mears story, that it felt like the best parts of the entire series. I'm not saying this is the best movie of the series, but I think that it tried to emulate the best parts of the entire series. Well, we'll talk about that more on the uh, wrap up episode tomorrow yeah. to see if I think it is or not. How about that? All right. Yeah. <laughs> and where can they find the wrap up episode? Oh, well, that's on cnjradio.com, which you're tuned into right now, even if you don't realize it. That's what you're tuned into is cnjradio.com, home of this show, Last Theater on the Left. Chris also does written reviews for it on cnjradio.com. There's also my show, Rock Strikes 10, which uh, over 270-something episodes in. Wow. A, lot of, a lot of stuff to listen to. Every episode is on cnjradio.com. Only the latest 100 are on iTunes. Also, there's a Synaptic Empire podcast featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative, and Wrestling House Show Reviews by Chris on the website with podcasts come soon if you're a rock wrestling or just fun movie fan cnjradio.com is the place to be for you always absolutely and if you like what you've heard so far here or on any of our other podcasts rock strikes 10 wrestling house show or the synaptic empire please leave us a message subscribe on itunes to all of these shows and check us out on the Facebooks and the websites and comments and messages. We want to hear what you have to say. Have you seen this movie? Were you Are you such a, an opponent of reboots and remakes that you never watched it? And if so, did this change your mind? Let us know. That'd be interesting if someone actually never saw this. And if, if we convinced you to watch it, I'd love to know yeah, if we did or not. Exactly. We spoiled the hell out of it, but that's what you get for not yeah. watching it. Sorry. <laughs> you knew this coming in. Yeah. But more fun to come tomorrow. Big wrap-up episode. Countdowns. Lists. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we're going to break it all down. So tune in tomorrow night on Friday, October 13th, 2017. On the last theater on the left on cnjradio.com. Bye. <laughs>